Welcome to the My Best Mom Friend Podcast. My name is Sandra, and I'm the virtual mom bestie you didn't know you needed. Grab a cup, make yourself comfortable, and allow me to spill the tea on motherhood. Welcome back to the My Best Mom Friend Podcast. In last week's marriage and communication episode of the second part of this series, I ended it talking about how In this episode, I would touch on how we can properly communicate with our partner. I decided I'm going to talk about something else first. I think there are going to be two more episodes before I really dive into how to properly communicate and shift your perspective and the narrative and your word choices and sentence structures. (laughs) I have created this whole formula for how to properly communicate with a man or really honestly anyone but I am specifically talking about how to communicate with a male and speak their language. But first I think that in today's episode we need to cover the mental load of motherhood and what it looks like from our perspective and a little glimpse into their brain and what it looks like to them. Um, I think this could be a really good episode that you could actually send your husband so they better understand how you're wired when it comes to carrying this heavy load and how they can help you offload some of it. And also, I hope this episode will teach you a few things about yourself that you may not have consciously realized as to maybe why we're sabotaging ourselves and why the mental load is so much heavier in our brains versus in theirs. I mean, honestly, if they're wired in such a way that they can't take on the mental load fully the way that we do, then can we just take a vacation in their brain a little bit? (laughs) Grab a cocktail, sit under a palm tree and just not worry about a damn thing. (laughs) Anyways, so let's get into it. Let me start by defining what the mental load of motherhood is, especially in case your partner or husband is listening. So, These are the countless invisible hidden tasks that is often handled by the woman, the mom. It is the worry work. It's the planning ahead. It's the worrying. It's the emotional labor and the ongoing internal list that you're keeping. And that list is exhausting. Even if you physically write out your to-do list, there are so many mental tasks, these invisible tasks, that you really can't just put on a to-do list, right? You can't write, I'm worried about whether my child is developing at the right pace, say for speech, for example. So you're worried about, are they keeping up with the other kids? You're comparing, you're feeling guilt or like you're doing something wrong and you're failing your child and what what could you be doing differently and do we need to enroll them in some kind of occupational speech therapy and it's all the thoughts all 
the thoughts, the the nurturing part of us that is so in tune with our children's emotions, you know, are they are they being socialized enough? Are they, you know, too reserved and making friends? How might how might they be feeling? Are they nervous or anxious going to school or daycare? You know, it's all these thoughts. It's the fears and you know, women are wired in such a way, and I'll get into this more when we talk about the problem-solving aspect of communicating, where we are wired to think ahead because we are worried about certain things happening, and that anxiety and fear of the future can be to some extent beneficial, right? Because you can mitigate danger or... Um, like ahead of time alleviate certain things that could happen but also when you know this has come up for you at some point in some relationship I'm sure where you get into a fight with your partner and you rehash the past all of a sudden you're fighting about something in the present that just happened and you are bringing back something from three months ago or three years ago And the reason we do this is not because we want to continue to punish them for what they've done, but it's because the way that our brain is wired, we think back to the past because we want to avoid making the same mistakes, having the same problems in the present, and we think ahead to the future because we're afraid of having those problems in the future. So for moms, it's really hard to be present or for women in general. Um, And I know that so many people hate when I say, you know, we're wired this way. Because yes, you you know, your husband could be wired to help more if he wanted to. But there are some innate characteristics of, of males versus females where we are more nurturing, we are more attuned with others' emotions, we are better at reading facial expressions, apparently, you know, like, I'm not making this stuff up. Like, this is everything that I've read. So, you know, men are generally more presently focused in the way that they are wired and how they problem solve, communicate, and experience their emotions. They are thinking about one problem at a time. So, whatever problem is in front of them is what they're going to tackle. They're likely not going to be thinking about something that will happen in six months. Because why exert the energy for that now? So what I also always think is that women, we do this mental work twice. We we do this invisible work in our brain, the worrying, the thinking ahead, the planning. And then we do the physical labor of it, of the actual, you know, calling the speech therapist, going to speech therapy. Um, You know, if you're planning ahead for a birthday party, it's all in your brain and then you're physically doing the task. So it's almost like we are doing the work twice and I am truly trying to get to the bottom of like, is there a way that we can only do it once? Jot it down on a list, write down your anxieties, the things that are coming up that you need to plan for and tuck it away. But we're not wired like that and I'm going to get into some examples of why we're not wired like that, but I'm sure... That is what the man in your life is thinking. Like, why are you already worried about that? And it's like, I don't want to be worried about that already, but I am. And it's annoying. 
and my brain has a million open tabs. The moment I close a couple out, more pop up and it's distracting, it's overwhelming. Yeah, to be inside the brain of a woman and especially a mom who not only just thinks about herself, but multiple children and her husband and her pets and extended family and friends, it's a lot. (laughs) Our brains are so busy. I jotted up an example of what could at any given time be going on in a mother's head to show and demonstrate if you are to share this episode with your husband, what goes on inside your brain within even just a five to 10 minute span, okay? So I just remembered that tomorrow is themed pajama day at school. I need to think of an idea. It's also our snack week. I've got to remember that one of the kids is allergic to sesame and I can't get anything with peanuts. Gotta go to the grocery store this week. Oh, the school note also mentioned that he's running low on diapers and wipes. I need to pick those up because we're out. The mom in his class just took her child to the dentist for the first time. Oh, shoot. I need to schedule his first dentist appointment. Have we been brushing enough? Should we switch to fluoride toothpaste or will those toxins stunt his growth? Speaking of his growth, is he eating enough vegetables? Is he saying enough words at this point? Should we be looking into speech therapy because he's not enunciating properly? Oh, that reminds me. The library books are due back, and maybe his shoes are getting too small. Maybe I should stop at Target next to the library and pick up new shoes. Oh, I'm also so hungry. I knew I shouldn't have skipped breakfast again. Oh, that reminds me. What should I make for dinner tonight? Are we out of eggs? Oh, yeah, I need to go to the grocery store. Um, making a mental note to get the gift for that birthday party this weekend. Oh, crap. I forgot to flip the laundry last night after meeting my friend for dinner. I wonder if I talk too much and took over the conversation. Does she think I'm annoying and self-centered? Oh, I bet she does. Oh, remind me to listen more next time and talk less. It's just so hard not to word vomit on my friends when... I never get to talk to other adults. That reminds me, I need to call my other friend and check in on her and how she's doing with everything they're going through right now. (laughs) That was just one example I quickly typed up of what might be going through your brain at any given time. So this shows you all the things you have to remember, all the school things, all the things to feed your family, and then the mental load is that piece of not just what do I need to get at the grocery store and when can I go to the grocery store and fit it into my day. It's, is my child getting enough nutrients? Has he been eating enough vegetables or have we been making too much processed freezer food for him? You know, toddlers will love one food one week and then hate it the next. So it's like reeling your brain. What can I make him this week that he'll like that also has nutrients. It's it's thinking about the dentist. Should we already have an appointment? Some people go at age two, some at three. That other lady said she waits till her kid is four, but are his teeth going, going to rot, you know? Um, and is that maybe why he's not enunciating his Fs properly? 
probably not, but who knows? Maybe it's my fault because I'm not brushing enough or feeding him enough vegetables, right? Surely it's my fault. And, you know, I've had those moments where I meet my girlfriends out and I do word vomit. And the next day or that night in bed, I'm just laying there awake, honestly questioning, did I talk too much? Did I say the wrong things? You know, do they think I'm annoying? Did I take over the conversation? (laughs) I would love to know if other people have these thoughts too. So yeah, that is just a mindfuck of words that you can have in like a 10 minute span of your life. So I don't, I don't think that our husbands think about all these things as quickly as we do. Like our thoughts consume us and it is just like a cluster of, it's like a piece of yarn or not a piece of yarn, a a chunk of yarn. I don't know what we call one of those big things of yarn. And it's just the threads are going in every direction and then they're intertwining and our brain can feel very mushy by the end of the day, right? At least mine does. So the mental load is everything from event planning for birthdays, vacations, get-togethers with friends and family, even date nights. Usually I'm the one planning date nights. It's the gift buying for your kids, for their friends, and remembering their birthday parties, gifts for extended family, meal planning, the finding of the recipes, grocery shopping, cooking, navigating allergies, you know, paying bills, caring for pets. It's the laundry and it's not just the washing and folding and putting away of clothes. It's also organizing everything at the end of each season, removing those clothes as our kids grow. It's, you know, switching their wardrobes to the next season and sizes. And, you know, it's it's the toys, the researching the best toys for their development. It's not just let me run to Target and grab something. Like, we're putting a lot of thought behind it. It's, it's the healthcare piece of scheduling the doctor's appointments, adding them to the calendar, you know, actually remembering to go, paying the bills, you know, keeping school up to date with vaccine records. It's securing childcare and, and thinking ahead of what's the next school we're going to send him to. It's their extracurriculars, you know, transportation to and from soccer or gymnastics, whatever it is, you know, um, keeping uniforms clean, showing up to the games, helping with practices, bringing the snacks. <laughs> it's the grooming for the children, cutting their nails, getting their haircuts, bathing them, all the things. It is this never ending, ongoing list of things that we're thinking about. It's stocking our home with toothpaste and toilet paper. It's all the cleaning, the dishes. It's it's all the calendar keeping, rem- remembering all the events and the birthdays and doctor's appointments, you know, the packing of the lunches and holidays, the decorating, the making memories, taking photos. It, it's all the things. And that's just more of the physical tasks. So some of these more heavier mental low tasks are things like, when is it time to potty train? Is my child developmentally ready? 
Or will it mess them up if we start too soon and they're not ready? And like, will they feel like a disappointment? Um, when is the right time to switch him or her from the crib to a big kid bed? What's that going to look like? When do we turn the car seat from rear facing to forward facing? That is an argument my husband and I recently got into because it is proven that rear facing for as long as possible is the safest way to go. A lot of parents will turn their kids around because it is more convenient and I don't disagree. It would be easier to get him in and out of the car. It would be easier to understand him because he'll be facing, speaking towards me and not towards the back of the car. He'll be able to see more and would probably be more relaxed during car rides, but I believe in keeping them rear-facing until they're at least three, three and a half, or up to the, the weight limit of the car seat. And my husband recently wanted to turn him around, and he installed the car seat forward-facing, and I was not happy about it, and he turned it back around. And it's things like that. It's the fears that we have of, well, if he's forward-facing and we get into a crash and his spinal cord snaps that's not okay. (laughs) So we're the ones doing this research, looking at the studies of why rear facing is safer, of when to potty train and how to go about doing it, and then securing all the things that we need, like the potty, the pull-ups, the training underwear, the sticker chart, right? It's all those things that at least my husband doesn't think about. Even though he handles so much of the domestic labor, And he helps me with everything. I am still the one that, you know, really thought about it and talked to other parents about how to go about it and did the research and got all the things. So same with like starting solids. If you have a baby, a lot of thought goes into that. There's a lot of anxiety around it about choking, you know, Um, keeping up with whether or not your child's developing on track. Um, is his school the right fit or do we need to find a different school and what does that look like how long is the wait list you know is he socializing enough how much screen time screen time (laughs) is okay you know I researched what the best shows are to watch for when we do offer screen time you know what shows are the least colorful and have the least amount of movement and aren't too overly stimulating because if it's too stimulating is he going to end up with like ADHD, right? It's it's just all these fears that we have because of this input of information. It is this information overload that we have because we are hit left and right with studies and examples of other people's kids that, you know, got autism or ADHD because of this or this, whether that's true or not, but we hear it. And so then we have this fear of, as women, modern mothers, it's just too much information. It is information overload. It's not all accurate information. We see what other people's kids do on social media and we compare and we worry. And we have this, in this generation of parents, we are so deeply worried about messing our kids up about not giving them the very best start they can have. And when something goes slightly, I don't even want to say wrong, when they're maybe developing a little slower in one aspect than most other kids, 
I've had so many moms reach out to me on Instagram saying, I feel like I'm failing. I must be doing something wrong. But we're not. It's like when we have these expectations and this striving for perfectionism and things don't go quite according to plan, we're stressed out. We're anxious. We're fearful. And we feel like a failure and we start pointing the finger towards us. Like we're doing something wrong. And so I think a lot of the mental load is us trying to mitigate anything from going wrong. From our kids having, you know, really big emotions that might scar them. (laughs) Or, you know, saying or doing the wrong thing. Parenting in the wrong way. You know, not keeping up with their development. Like I research all the, the schools, the products I get, all the baby gear, the toys to get the very best to stimulate his development properly for his age. And it's just a lot. And then I think what happens is when we don't feel appreciated or acknowledged for all that we do to give our child the very best, when our partner doesn't acknowledge that or we feel unseen, that that is where that resentment builds. When we feel as though we do all of this mental work that they don't really see but it's all to benefit our child and our family we can feel really unappreciated and like everything we're doing is going unseen and it's this feeling too of well if I don't do it no one will so it falls on our shoulders it's like this heavy burden where if we know our husband doesn't think about these things we have to And it's stressful and it leaves us just stewing with resentment and wondering, you know, why our partner doesn't help with this? Why don't they ask what they can do, what they can take from our load and from our brains? And, you know, I don't know. It's like our our husbands are never going to do the worry work. They're just not unless they're wired to be like super anxious and someone that plans ahead, but generally it seems that it falls on the mother. And when I asked my community on Instagram, what is the one thing that you wish your partner understood about motherhood? There were probably a hundred or more responses where people typed in the mental load, the mental load of motherhood, the mental load, everything I have to remember, everything that I do that he doesn't see. So I think at the end of the day, all we want is to feel appreciated for them to notice all the effort that we put in because I don't think we're going to ever stop doing this worry work, this planning ahead. So knowing that we will never give it up, it's just important to let your partner know Be very direct and just let them know, hey, here's all the stuff that I do to make our world go round and function properly. And I just want to feel acknowledged and seen. And if you do find ways that he can, you know, help or for you to offload some of this, if there are specific tasks that he can do to help you, then ask him. But it's important to be direct He may not see everything that you do and how he can help, 
But as soon as you ask him, I'm going to bet he will help you. So if it's you have fears about, you know, what school your child is going to go to, or you need to get on the daycare list and you just feel overwhelmed, maybe you do the research for the schools and you have him call or send the emails to schedule the tours or to get on the wait list, right? Like you can break up this work. You know, maybe you do more of the worry work, but then he does the physical tasks. So there is a way that you can offload some of it, but you have to be direct and you have to ask and you can't be upset when they don't see it and don't offer to help. If you haven't already read the book Fair Play by Eve Rotsky, I highly recommend. I will link it in the show notes and she also came out with a card deck. So this card deck shows everything I listed out basically, all these tasks, like one task per card and you go through it with your partner and the way that I did it was just kind of to see whose stack is larger and this is a really good way for him to actually see what all that you do and there will be many more things that you do that aren't listed on these cards but it does give a good glimpse into all the things that you do and my husband and I were able to have some really productive conversations around it Like, for example, there are certain things on my load that I kind of do to myself. For example, the card of doing returns, returns to stores, right? I was like, wow, I, you know, I spent a lot of time doing that. (laughs) And it's because I enjoy shopping and I buy a bunch of unnecessary crap that I don't need And then I have to make all these returns and that's on my to-do list and it's time consuming and it stresses me out because I'm like, okay, I only have like 15 more days to do this, but I'm super busy with work and with our son. And he was like, yeah, but you do that to yourself. Like I would love it for you to shop less and then also you won't have to deal with this part of your mental load. And it made so much sense. (laughs) So... That's what I'm talking about as far as maybe we sabotage ourselves a little bit. Like maybe there are things that we could mitigate a little bit. So if I shop a little bit less, then I have less returns to make. Um, The other one was tidying up. I said, this card goes in my pile. And we argued over it because he was like, no, this goes in my pile. Because like I said, he does more of the domestic labor And I said, no, but I'm always tidying up, like constantly. And he said, yeah, you're tidying up the messes that you make. (laughs) He was like, when you're out of town, this house is spotless. There is nothing laying around. You know, and I had to take a step back and think to myself, like, yeah, I, I am messier. And I do leave stuff, you know, kind of laying around. And then I have to tidy up and it's time consuming when I could just quickly clean up after myself as I go and then I won't have this you know task of tidying all the time (laughs) so it was interesting and then we had some other interesting conversations like the gift buying so I always say it stresses me out not stresses me out but it's a lot in my mind to remember 
all the other kids' birthday parties, put it on the calendar, and get the gift. Because to me, a lot of thought goes into gift buying. I really try to think about, you know, their gender. What might they be into as a boy or a girl, right? And their age. And then you think about, okay, also the price range because you don't want to get something too expensive where then their parents are going to feel like, oh, now we have to get them something in the $50 price range when usually we buy everyone something $25 and under. But then you also don't want to get something that's too inexpensive where you look cheap or like you don't care about their child. I don't know. Like for me, so much thought goes into it and I want to get it way ahead of time so that I can check it off my mental to-do list. And he basically was like, okay, so you get on Amazon and you buy a gift. Like what's the big deal? And that's when I explained all of this to him, like how much thought I put into it. And you know, it just, it was a productive conversation because it made him think, okay, yeah, maybe, maybe it does take her a little bit longer than I would think that it takes. And, you know, then we got to his card of paying the credit card bill. And that's where in my mind, I at first used to think, well, that takes two seconds to do every month. But, you know, more goes into it because he goes through all the transactions to make sure there's nothing fraudulent. And then he goes through our other financials. He checks our investments and, you know, we move money around to our different investments and and checking accounts and savings accounts that yield higher um, whatever interest rates. (laughs) So there is a lot more that goes into it. He looks at our, you know, budgets and all these different things. So what he thought gift buying would take two seconds to get on Amazon, he now realizes is actually quite a bit more time consuming for me and takes up mental energy. And likewise, I thought paying the credit card bill is something super quick, but it does also take up more time and mental energy than I thought. So I will link these cards in the show notes as well. I think it is something every couple should do, especially if you feel like you handle more of the tasks and you're feeling really resentful about it. Because when you're going through these cards and they can physically with their eyes see, oh wow, my wife does all of this and maybe you're also a working mom and it's like, oh wow, she works full time and I work full time and her pile is twice as big as mine. It's eye opening and I'm hoping it will lead to some productive conversations for you and your partner the way that it did for my husband and me. Now. What I cannot iterate enough is that you have to be direct. You have to ask for what you want and need. We can no longer in this modern world sit around and just expect our partners to see what needs to get done and to help. I hate the word help because they're an equal partner in this relationship and should collaborate with you on as much as possible from the child rearing to the domestic tasks to providing for the home and the emotional labor, the worry work, all of it. But we don't live in a perfect world. And I do truly believe that men and women are wired a little bit differently. And so you have to ask for what you want and you have to be direct, kind, but direct. 
And in later episodes, I'm going to get into my formula because I don't want to give it all away right away. And I'm, I'm writing a book about this, so I don't want to give away every single page of the book. But you must ask for what you want. And when they step up to the plate to help, you cannot be overly critical. So when they step up to the plate, you have to let them own the task. Like, Don't get frustrated when they don't do things up to your standards or within the time frame you wanted it to get done. When you start to criticize him for doing things incorrectly or just not quite up to how you'd want it because maybe you're a perfectionist or you just like things a certain way, then they're going to shut down. They're not going to want to help you with that task again. And if you criticize them too often, they're not going to want to help at all. Or they're going to half-ass their tasks because they're going to say, well, nothing I do is ever right. I can never please her. And all that a man wants is to please his wife. And we all have different expectations and different how we want things done a certain way. Like I am messier than my husband and it frustrates him. But when I take on a task, I'm going to do it my way. You know, and likewise, there are certain things that he doesn't do the way that I would want them done. And we have to remember we are collaborative partners in a team. We all have strengths and weaknesses. And we have to stop trying to make one another like us. Like, I think so often we think that the way that we do things is the right way, that we feel superior and that the way that we communicate and the way that we feel and how we do things is more right. But we just have to remember when they step up to bat, whatever it is, whether it's, you know, helping clean, cook, change a diaper, feed the baby, let them do it their way. Don't step in. Don't criticize. If you can't stand to watch how they're doing something without jumping in, go into another room. Let them do the thing and let them do it their way. So that is sort of the female perspective that I wanted to start off with. I had a really great conversation with a dad, a husband and a dad, And he had some thoughts of what he felt he would want women to know that I should share. And granted, not every husband may feel this way. Some men truly just don't give a crap and don't want to help. But I think the majority of husbands want to please their wives and want you to be happy. Nobody wants a moody wife, right? Happy wife, happy life. So here's what he said. My wife shouldn't have to be the project manager of our house. Help me help you. I can't read your mind, nor should I be expected to. I can't anticipate your every need as much as I would like to. Please tell me what you need and trust that as an equal and willing partner in this relationship, I will go above and beyond to deliver. But to do that, I have to know what you need, and where you need me to step up. So he gave this beautiful example where he said, the person that is thinking five steps ahead 
and playing chess in the house is my wife. She's the one thinking about the birthday party six weeks from now. She's the one buying our child new clothes when he outgrows them. I'm doing the day-to-day. I want to be an active partner. I'm there every bedtime. I cook more nights than not. I'm doing the day-to-day. I play checkers. One move at a time. I'm fighting the daily battles. She's playing chess, strategizing, thinking ahead. How can we relate to each other when we're sitting at the same table but playing two different games against the same opponent, life? Where do we meet in the middle to respect and understand each other and our differences rather than wishing the other player was more like you? Without proper communication, I can't help you make the next move and I can't help you pick up the pieces. Please don't make me guess your nonverbal communication cues. Be direct, speak your mind, and ask for what you need. Let's play on the same team. And then he gives a whole nother really great explanation that we really, really need to listen to. It would help if you could also be patient and give me time to allow me to relieve your mental load and burden. When you think five steps ahead at all times and tackle it yourself, I feel like I'm unable to contribute even when I want to. Please delegate and resist the urge to do it all yourself or else there will be too much resentment and fatigue on your end because of your desire to be efficient and take control. Save something for me. I want to help. I want to do my fair share. I want to be a partner. So I love everything that he said because it's so true. We aren't often direct enough. And then we criticize for how they're doing the task. Or we get frustrated because we feel like they're not doing it quick enough. And then we're constantly having to remind them to do the task and then we feel like we're nagging them and maybe they get annoyed. So it's this very fine balance. And then this whole other piece to this is we want to be effective. We want to get things done as quickly as possible because we have a million open tabs and we can't get to the next tab until we close out the task at hand. But one of the big problems, I think, is that there's so little in our control as women and as moms that we want to be in control as much as we possibly can. And to do that, I think that we like to have our hands a little bit in everything because then we feel like we're in control. And that is where we have to learn to let go assign and delegate certain tasks to him maybe even permanently right like you can be in these set patterns but you don't have to stay in them just because you naturally fell into doing certain tasks you're allowed to switch it up and say you know what I would love it if you started to handle this task and maybe I'll handle this one it's fun to shake things up sometimes otherwise life is really boring (laughs) he went on to say The mental load piece is not about wanting to assume a burden. It's assuming a different part of the burden. 
My biggest frustration is when my wife doesn't lean on me. Let me take on more of the day-to-day so that you can think about the bigger stuff on your mind. Then it might not feel quite so heavy. If I'm wired to think about the day-to-day and you're more wired to think ahead into the future, there's no need to rewire our brains. Let's try to understand each other's concerns and meet each other's needs. But give me more of what you don't have the capacity to handle. Let's share those things and complement each other's burdens. Let's positively exploit our strengths and weaknesses. If I'm more of a linear thinker, let me do that. Please give me more of that. I want you to depend on me. I want you to trust me. I want to be useful and effective in our relationship, so I need you to lean on me. I may not accomplish every task up to your incredible standards, and I may not always get to everything when I'm asked to, but I will always do my best to deliver and make you happy. So my husband is, of course, aware that I am writing this book on marriage and communication and motherhood, and that I'm doing this podcast series. So We were talking about the mental load the other night in the kitchen, and he said, hmm, I don't know how much of this mental load stuff is really real. (laughs) And I said, um, what do you mean exactly? He said, so you're talking about, for example, how you get stressed thinking about keeping up with our son's doctor's appointment and scheduling them and taking him in. And I said, yeah, that's an example. And he said, okay, but I reminded you the other day, remember? I asked you if it was time to get his thyroid blood work done again. And I said, yeah, you asked me if it was time. Don't get me wrong. I appreciate you reminding me. He said, yeah, so I thought about the mental load for you. And I said, no, you asked me about it. You didn't say, oh, I noticed you've been super busy lately with work and have put it off a couple of weeks. Should I call and make the appointment for you or even take him this time? You didn't actually offer to initiate helping me with the task and checking it off my list. That is where you would bridge the gap. And that's when he said, oh, I guess I kind of get it now. And I just felt like this was a very mic drop moment. (laughs) So I encourage you to share this back and forth dialogue I had with my husband with yours and maybe it will click a little bit for him. I think sometimes having examples and hearing it from someone else can be really, really helpful. Now, on the flip side... Here is the rest of our conversation, and I think this is very important for you to hear as the woman. He says, but husbands could do things like the party planning work you talk about. It would all work out in the end, but just maybe not according to your expectations. And I said, yes. And in that regard, now that I've opened your eyes to the mental load, I also want to open other women's eyes to the mental load and the things that we don't think about. So if your husband actually said to you, 
Hey, it seems like planning that birthday party is stressing you out. Do you want me to handle it? We would say no. (laughs) And why? It's because we would likely hate how they go about it. And we want to maintain control and handle it ourselves, right? Like you want to pick the theme and get all the decor and order the birthday cake. And it's about remembering to book the venue in time or book the bounce house in time to get the one that you want that goes with the theme and design the invites and think about who you're inviting and all these things. And, and also, I think we think about things that maybe they wouldn't, like which kids have allergies. You don't want anyone to be left out. So you want to also have foods there for the kids that can't have gluten or dairy or whatever, right? So if, if we were to say, okay, here you go, you plan the whole thing. At the end of the day, it would get done and everyone would have fun and it would be perfectly fine. But it probably wouldn't be what you want it to look like it wouldn't be the exact same experience that you wanted to create and likely a lot of it wouldn't get done until the last minute and I don't know about you but at least for me I need to check tasks off my list way in advance or I get really stressed and anxious if there's a lot of stuff that hasn't been accomplished and we're getting close to whatever the event is it makes me feel really anxious. So I try to take control of my anxiety and do as much as I can in advance. So my point is, is that if they offer to help, we can't be mad at them because we want to handle it. Or if they don't offer, we can't be mad that they never offered if we wouldn't even let them handle those tasks. Does that make sense? So If they offer, delegate some tasks, right? Like they don't have to do the whole thing, but maybe they can be the ones to pick up the food that day or place the pizza order, whatever it is, pick up the balloons, right? You don't have to do everything on your own to be in control and for things to go how you want them, but you can delegate tasks and don't be mad if they don't ask. Just say, hey, here's a list of things that I'd really like your help with, you know? (sighs) so yes I think the mental load there's a lot to it (laughs) a lot of it in my opinion has to do with our feelings our fears and our anxieties and our desire to be in control and it is unfair when we actually do want to be in control and do everything and do everything our way for us to feel all this resentment towards our husband's for not stepping up to the plate, for not reading our minds, for not seeing what needs to be done. I know that can be frustrating, but you just simply need to ask and delegate and work together in a collaborative way to get certain tasks accomplished. I'm going to give you another example of how the mental load and delegating a task has played out for us in the past. And this When you hear this example, if you've never had this sort of experiment with your husband where you delegate a task to him, that's something that you usually handle, the results of my experiment may stress you out and deter you from 
ever delegating anything, but I think it's important to hear. So I tend to be the one to purchase the presents for everyone, friends, family, our own child. And I do so, as you've heard, a couple of weeks in advance so I don't have to keep thinking about it and I can strike it off my mental to-do list. So one week, I was feeling particularly stressed out with all that I had to accomplish that week with work and with other things. And so we had my nephew's birthday coming up. And so I thought, you know what, that's something my husband could do. And I asked him, would you mind taking on purchasing his present for his party coming up, you know, like Saturday or something. And he said, sure, of course, I'd love to right? Because when we ask, they're usually very receptive and willing to help because they want to help. They just don't know what you need help with. So here's how this went. Would you mind handling buying his present for the party? He says, sure, no problem. I say, thanks. You might want to reach out to your brother and ask him what our nephew is into these days. The party is next Saturday, so just please make sure you have everything before then. He says, yep, got it. I'm on it. A few days go by and I said, hey, have you ordered the present yet? Because somehow, despite the fact that I have delegated the task, I still could not check it off my mental to-do list until I physically saw the gift here and wrapped on my kitchen counter. <laughs> so he says, no, not yet. And I said, okay, are you going to order it today or tomorrow? He said, yeah, I got it, babe. Stop worrying about it. So let me jump in here and say that passing this task on to my husband was exactly that. So I could stop worrying about it and focus on the other really important things on my to-do list. But that is unfortunately not what happened. So a couple more days go by, you know, we're two days from the party and I'm frustrated because I see him on his phone all the time doing things, you know, like getting his fantasy football league lined up and scrolling TikTok or Instagram or whatever, right? And so it's like you have an Amazon app, just hop online and take care of it. So I said, did you order the present? And he said, you know, oh shit, no, I haven't done it yet. And you know, we're like two days from the party and I, then I'm getting frustrated. Like, oh my gosh, are you kidding me? Can you just do it right now, please? He says, yeah, I'll do it in a little bit. So the present arrived, I think it was like the day before the party. And then the following morning, as we're getting ready to go to the party, I noticed that the gift was still in an unopened Amazon box laying by the front door. And I said, so are you going to wrap that? And he said, oh, I didn't realize I was supposed to do that part. You didn't say that I needed to do that. And I said, okay, so you also didn't consider that we needed to buy, you know, wrapping paper or a gift bag. And again, he was like, no, you didn't say that I needed to handle that part of the task. And, you know, so I'm fuming with anger and resentment and stress that it hasn't been fully done yet and isn't ready. And honestly, I don't really know that he would have even remembered to put it in the car, right? So key takeaway from this experiment I should have done it myself. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I saw this, this 
experiment through because I assigned him a task and I wanted him to do it. But I had so much anxiety the whole time thinking about it. Has it been done? Why hasn't it been done? Can you just do it? Like the entire time I could have just gone on Amazon and done it myself, but I said, no, like you assigned this to him. He's going to do it. So yeah, it would have been mentally less consuming to just handle it myself than constantly wonder if he was going to handle it on time. So I stood my ground and yeah, like I'm, I'm still incredibly annoyed that I couldn't mentally let it go. I couldn't mentally pass it from my brain to his and check it off my list. Like I could not check it off and stop thinking about it until the present was delivered and wrapped. So (sighs) this is just, it's important for if your husband listening to understand the psyche of a woman and how we're wired. And I think it's not just, oh, I want to check this off, but it's, you know, what will they think of the present? Will they think it's a creative idea of what we ordered them? Will they think that we thought about it a lot? You know, is it wrapped in a beautiful way? Does it show that we really care about, you know, the birthday boy? I I just think we have all these thoughts and, and all of this, I think is very subconscious. Like we don't really think about it, but I think there's a lot of emotional labor involved in all of these mental tasks that we do that maybe the husband just doesn't really think about which then makes it less of a pressing situation like less urgent to get to so while we're on this topic of birthdays I read this example in a book the other day where a mom was describing the mental load and all of her thoughts surrounding planning her child's birthday party. And I thought that this ties in really well to explain the thoughts that we have. And like I said, I think a lot of these thoughts are very subconscious. We're not literally sitting there debating all of these things. But these are some of the subconscious underlying thoughts that we have that can make certain tasks maybe feel heavier so I'm going to just read this off to you this is from the book um, perfect madness motherhood in the age of anxiety so it is her basically showing every layer of detail and even this sort of existential thinking that goes into planning a child's birthday so she writes she described in an email to me the immense stress of the preparations for her son's fourth birthday like this. First, there was the whole debate about whether to have the whole class or just a few friends. Then there was the whole debate about whether to have the party at home or whether to go someplace that does package deals. If we stayed at home, would we have the magician, the clown, the musician, or the bounce house? I felt great angst about whether this measured up. How would the other mothers judge me for the decisions I made and would I be labeled in some negative way? What does my decision indicate about our financial status, my organizational talents or lack of them, or our willingness to indulge our child? On the morning of the party, my stress was all about how our deck needed to be refinished, the flower beds needed to be edged and weeded, 
and I didn't have the perfect mother of the birthday boy sweater to throw on over my jeans so that I looked chic yet casual. And this was written 20 years ago. So I think since then, some of these pressures have only increased. And so, you know, you may not actually think all of this, like I said, but there is this subconscious thought process, I think, that happens. And I know it does because I'm planning my son's third birthday right now. And while I didn't think about things like, well, what will people think of my financial status or whatever, like, I, I do have a lot of similar thoughts like this, right? And will my son feel loved and special and I don't know, there, there is so much that goes into it in our brains that our husbands may never even think about. So I hope that this was insightful as to what goes on in our brains, what goes on in their brains, and maybe how we can meet in the middle, and how we shouldn't sabotage ourselves by not asking for help, by just simply waiting for him to see what we need help with. He can't anticipate all of our needs. He's not a mind reader. But when we're direct and kind in our requests, they're going to help us. They want to help us. They just need to know what to help with, you know? And we can't criticize them when they're not doing things 100% exactly how we would do them. We just need to be grateful for their participation and yeah, we just need to be a team. And with any team, you know, there's someone leading and kind of project managing and assigning tasks. And that's okay, right? It's okay if if not everyone knows the next move, as long as they're willing to pick up the pieces. So again, remember, you're playing chess and he's playing checkers. And I think that is the most beautiful analogy and it makes so much sense. He can't play your game if he doesn't know the rules, right? So communicate, be open, and share your worries and fears that you have surrounding certain tasks. You know, help them understand why it feels so heavy and why it's so consuming. Sometimes we just need to talk about it and... I think it's important to get it all out. And in later episodes, like I said, I will share with you how to communicate everything, how to let it out, how to go about it, what language to use, how to construct your sentences and have really productive and successful communication with your partner. So I hope that you enjoyed this third episode to this marriage series that I'm doing Please share it with your partner, share it with your girlfriends, your mom friends. If you don't already, come over to Instagram and follow along at my best mom friend. And it would mean the world to me if you would subscribe to the podcast and rate and review so more women and parents can find it. I will be back next Tuesday. Thanks for tuning in. For more, follow along on Instagram at my best mom friend. I'll see you again next time.